should have your book, The Blessings of Redemption. The Blessings of Redemption. And this is a wonderful book that, that uh, some of you, you may have a larger copy of it. But I want to encourage you, <coughs> excuse me, to get a hold of this. Get the word of God. And, of course, this is a tool. Everybody say a tool. a tool. But when you get the word of God down on the inside of your heart, you know what's so awesome about it? Is that it gets down in your heart. And guess what we do when we teach around here? Man, guess what? You have to act on it. Everybody say act on it. That simply means get it down in your heart, and, and then, you know, we can get knowledge. Remember, I've always said this. Knowledge is good. Isn't that right? But knowledge that's not applied doesn't do us any good. So we can sit under the word always, all the time. But until you apply it, it's not going to do you any good. It's just like playing sports. A coach is endeavoring to coach his team, and as players, whether it's basketball, whether it's football, whatever sport. But what happens is he, he's teaching. A coach is a teacher. A coach is instructing. But you know what you think about sports when you play or, or people that you know have played. What happens is in practice, that player is not listening, he's not paying attention, and then taking what the coach is sharing with them and applying it on the football field, applying it on the basketball court. When it comes game time, guess what? It's not, it's not going to help them. And you have to go all the way back to say, were you paying attention? And this is why you see sometimes coaches are losing their hair. Come on now, see, even pastors sometimes. So what I decided to do is kind of let mine grow out a little bit. Otherwise, I start looking like Andy back there. There you go. I like that look, see. But uh, I'm getting there. If I go like this, so you go, ooh, okay, there it is. So, you know, you just take it, just pick it up. You know what I'm saying? Work it out, right? So and I didn't mean that like for you, maybe for Betty. No, I'm just joking. Hey, did you know we celebrated her birthday uh, uh, yesterday? It's her birthday. Isn't that neat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. She says she's 25. That changes every day. Yesterday, she said she was 35. So I guess you're 25 now. All right, that's good. That's fine. I think that's great. But understand what I'm saying tonight as we get back to this, the focus of getting, getting God's word on the inside. Say, on the inside. Do you know that you have been redeemed? You know that you have been purchased. You have been bought back. In other words, mankind is now in a state where God... I mean, think about this. In the very beginning, intentionally placed man in the garden, blessed man, and then what happened? Because Adam, as we said before, committed high treason, sold out. You know, see, God the Father loved him so much he didn't get rid of his man. You understand? In his grace and mercy, but because of sin, he still loved him, but he couldn't stay in the garden. Are you with me? And so all of a sudden, he has a plan for his man. You know what that plan was? The plan of redemption. To bring man back. Everybody say back. To bring man back, okay? So that's exactly what he did. But I love this because we've talked about this before, that he has redeemed us from poverty. Everybody say poverty. poverty. Sickness and spiritual death. Now understand this, why Jesus came. And this is important. I've always said this and I believe this is truth. He came... And one of the reasons, he came for many reasons, of course, you know that. But he came in dealing with poverty that, you see, he didn't come to take, listen, man out of poverty. He didn't come to take man out of poverty. You know why he came in relationship to poverty? He came to take poverty out of man. He came to take that mindset out of man. And that's what redemption is all about. We had to change our way of thinking. We have to start changing our way of understanding who we are. You know, we're not broke and, and, you know, just constantly disgusted and busted and going around wondering how am I going to make it. See, that's not redemption. 
That's surely not what Jesus died for. Are you listening to me? That's not what Jesus shed his blood on Calvary for. He did that so that we can be blessed. How many of you remember last time when we said God wants us to be rich, and what did we say rich meant? Abundantly supplied. You see, abundantly supplied. So the Lord wants you to have an abundant supply. But the thing is, is he wants you to have that so that you can be a blessing. A blessing. Now, how you handle that is another thing. And just because some people that we know or people that we've seen before and how they've done things and they've taken money and they've just totally, money has destroyed them because they didn't know how to handle finances, they didn't know how to handle money. But what happens is money gets a black eye. You see, money is completely neutral. We always like to say neutral. But what happens is the person who has the money, it begins to amplify what's on the inside of that person. Do you see what I'm saying? Did you catch that? So in other words, what's in you, what's in you, really, we're talking about finances, we're talking about money, is amplified. What's in you is amplified. Because if you have the right heart, the right attitude, and money's coming your way, guess what? Then only the good things are going to be coming out of you, you see? And your whole mindset is not going to be thinking of, of just taking. It's going to be also, yes, thank God that God wants to bless me, but I'm going to give it away. Because I understand the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God operates, that more I give, the more I'm going to receive. And the more I receive, the more I'm going to give. See, that's how the kingdom works. Now, how many would agree? Is that how the world works? Would you say is that's how, you know, actually man's economy works? No. So there's, there's different economies. Everybody say economy. So you have God's economy and you have man's economy. And sometimes it gets twisted. What I mean by that is, is that man, when they want to strive and increase, and a lot of times, and I thank God that there are some good men, there are some good women, I mean moral people, and they do great things with their money. So everybody's not bad that has money. Okay? All right? You know, people say money is what? The root of all evil. Is that true? How many have heard that before? You've heard money is. Oh, you want to mess away that money? Don't touch that money. Man, you got money. That's evil. No, the Bible says that what? The love of money is the root of all evil. So there's a difference there. But aren't you glad that with God's plan of redemption, he has purchased us and brought us back? So that brings me to Galatians chapter 3, 13. Let's turn there together. You have your Bibles, and I know nowadays I love it. Man, you can have your iPad. You can have your iPhone. You may have the latest iPhone 6 or Samsung, whatever you got. But, but if you don't have a Bible app, then guess what? Turn it off because you can't use it. You understand what I'm saying? No, I'm just joking. Kind of, sort of. Anyway, so Galatians three thirteen. All right? Now, we, what we do here on Wednesday night, we like to look at different translations. So if you have one that's different, or, you know, if you want to share, you go right ahead. I have in front of me the NIV. I do want us to read this eventually, this scripture, the scriptures, Galatians 3.13 from the Amplified. But I'll go ahead and read from the NIV. If you found it, say praise the Lord. All right. So Galatians 3.13 from the NIV says this, Christ redeemed us. Notice the tense. Do you see that? Did you hear that? Christ did what? Redeemed us. That's past tense, right? From the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone 
who is hung on a tree. Now, that's the NIV. Someone give us a different translation. If you don't mind reading, read out loud. And let us know what translation you have. Go right ahead. Mm-hmm. Yes, go ahead. You got the Amplified? Go right ahead. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Now, the Amplified said this. It's Tanya Resh, and here's a piece I want you to see because we're going to go to Romans. We're going to go to Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, so you can begin, begin turning there. But what she read was Christ purchased our freedom. So what, what, what he's saying here is that you have been set free. You've been set free. Now, I know at times we can feel like we're bound. Come on, we can feel like it. We can feel the stress of the world. We can feel, fear, feel all this stuff, that whether it's fear, whether it's doubt, whether it's unbelief. But praise God, when you know you've been set free, you have been set free. And this is what I'm saying. Get a hold of the word of God and, and apply it in your lives. You have been set free. And it says freedom. He purchased our freedom. And here's how he did it. Amplified said redeeming us. And here's what I wanted to get to from the curse or it says of the law and its condemnation. Now, let's go to Romans chapter eight, verses one through four, because it's talking about the law or a law types of laws. But it also ties into condemnation and what condemnation will do. Do you know that that if you feel like you're constantly condemned, do you know that then you have no I mean, on the inside of you, in your heart, you have no confidence to approach God. There's no confidence to say, well, I'm going to go to the Father, and I know that he loves me and that he cares about me because we feel condemned. But you have to understand, when we're redeemed, when you're redeemed from poverty, sickness, and spiritual death, when your freedom has been purchased, we don't go to God with this sense of condemnation. We go to God now with a sense, what, of appreciation and celebration and thanksgiving because we've been set free. Say, I've been set free. All right, so let's, let's look and see what Romans chapter 8 is telling us. So if you're already there, someone read that for us nice and loud. And let us know what translation you have. Did I say Romans? Okay, chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. All right, so somebody go ahead and take off for us, and then we'll catch up with you. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you how important this is that we get a hold of this truth. And here it is. That the law says right here, look at verse 2, because through Christ Jesus, say through Christ Jesus, we've read it, we've heard it, I mean from the King James, from the message, listen, through Christ Jesus, the law of spirit, of the spirit, say the spirit, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. See, we've been set free. You have been set free. You are no longer bound. Let me say it again. You are no longer bound. You have been set free. It's almost as if all of a sudden for, for a reason that maybe you didn't do anything at all, you've also, I mean, you got thrown in jail. Came and the police came to your house, had a warrant for your arrest. They said, Henry, come on, let's go. That's it. <laughs> let's go. All right, Miss Janet, let's go. Going to jail. And you say, for what? For what? And it's just for mankind, for the sins of mankind, from the very beginning. And you would say, I didn't do nothing. No, but from the very beginning of time, and from that moment on, we were doomed. From that moment on, we were bound. And we were like in a prison, if you will. 
And the only one that had the key to set us free is Jesus. So here we are locked inside. And he knew that he had to say, I've got to give my life for their life. So I'm going to go in prison and set them free. Because by me going into prison and setting them free, they can't hold me because I haven't done anything wrong. I haven't done anything wrong. So he's set us free. So, so the whole goal of teaching this lesson and dealing with redeemed is to see yourself as being set free. Now, sometimes we go, man, okay, I'm trying. Perhaps I'm really trying, you know, because my mind sometimes it really, you know, struggles and tries to bring me back to a place that I don't want to be in. And try to, the enemy tries to bring these thoughts. But listen, we've got to cast those down. Didn't we say that in 2 Corinthians chapter 10? We said what we're supposed to do in verse 4. Remember we talked about how the weapons of our warfare are not carnal? Come on. But they're mighty through God. How? For what? For the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So if thoughts come that are trying to exalt itself against the knowledge of God, what do you do? Man, you pull them down. Yeah. Just pull them down and say, this doesn't belong to me. I know who I am in Christ because I have been set free. So when the enemy starts coming now, you don't say, I'm set free because of who I am. I'm set free because of whose I am. I'm set free because the blood of Jesus has been applied to my life the same way the blood of the lambs, come on, was applied to the doorpost. Remember, when the children of Israel left, they get ready, let's go. Come on, the time to go, you got to go. And I'm telling you what's so awesome about redemption is that it was already done. We have to realize that it's past tense. It's not something that the Lord's going to do in the future. He already did it. And so this is how, why we can walk with our head up. Come on. We can give the devil a black eye. Yeah. And we just, listen, we just speak the word. But here's the thing, because we're trying so hard sometimes, like, okay, what do I got to do? What do I got to do? And sometimes in our own effort, we feel like we've got to put ourselves over. But do you know this, that you don't have to put yourself over. Jesus has already put you over. What we simply do is stand and fight, as I said before, the good fight of faith. Because that fight is the fight you win. When a devil tries to come and thoughts try to come, you go, no, know the word, speak the word, and stay on the word in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. All right? So let's go over to, let's go over to, to Deuteronomy 28. Let's take a few minutes and look at some of these curses. How many remember last week we looked at it and it was like, oh, my goodness. This is some stuff, isn't it? See, we want to look at the blessings, and I know we're blessed. How many know you're blessed? All right, so, but let's look at together some of these curses and, and you'll know what you've been redeemed from. Now, there's, there's a lot beginning in verse 15 of Deuteronomy 28. So let's turn there and you'll see, I'm not going to read them all, but just enough for us to get a look at wow. I mean, just wow. All right, so, but we know from verse 1, the blessings for obedience, we can see in verse 1 to 14. Are you there? You see that? But then let's pick up curses for disobedience. It says, beginning in verse 15, it says, How, however, NIV, however, if you do not obey the Lord, your God, and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. I mean, overtake you, come upon you and say, overtake me. Aren't you glad you're redeemed? Glory to God. All right. So they say, not going to overtake me. Isn't that good? Not going to overtake us. It goes on and says this, 16. You will be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. 
Your basket and your kneading trowel will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed and the crops of your land and the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. You will be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. The Lord will send on you curses, confusion, and rebuke in everything you put your hand to until you are destroyed and come to sudden ruin because of the evil you have done in forsaking him. Now, aren't you glad, though, the evil that was done? Let's just face it and talk about it like it is. I mean, when Adam said, yes, come on, and he, and he disobeyed, he took of the, the fruit, and, of course, evil, sin sets in. But aren't you glad that right now, praise God, that the second Adam came. Hallelujah. Yeah. All right. And he gave his life and put us back in the place. I like to say, man, he put us back in the garden, if you will, to the place where we can now commune with God the Father. Remember how Adam, you know, and, and you see in the cool of the day, as you read in Genesis, where God the Father would come down, man, and he would just hang out with Adam. He would just talk to him. Just relax. Hey, Adam, what's going on? Let's talk. And Adam would kind of like, if you will, pull up a chair. Or he'd probably just lay down, relax, and say, okay, what's going on? And just talking to him about, about all the wonderful things, his creation, and wonderful things about him, and, and the plans that he had for him. Let's think about that. And then they got finally to the conversation. Adam, I don't want you to be alone. I'm going to make you a help me. Come on. See, and they're talking. All this wonderful conversations and things are going on. Do you know today that you have access because of the blood of Jesus to go to the Father and talk to him just like that? Isn't that wonderful? That you can just pull up. I like to say this. When, we, when you go to the throne room of God, when you pray and when you seek God's face, I like to say it this way. Man, we don't have to stay. Aren't you glad in the outer courts? Man, we can go step right on into the inner courts. And then I like to say this, not only that, but right up to the very throne room, the yes. throne of God. Yes. And then we also can get on there and just hug him. Daddy, I love you. Yes. That's wonderful because Jesus made a way. Yes. Now, hold on to that thought. He made that way. Do you believe that? Yes. And in that way that he made, he said, you don't have to be sick no more. Yes. You don't have to be broke no more yes. because he made the way. Who made the way? Jesus, did we make the way? No. So is it on us? No. It's all on him. Did he do it? Then therefore, guess what? It's done. Praise God. It's done. So we ought to be walking in victory. We ought to be walking in the blessings. We ought to be walking in healing. We ought to be walking in freedom. We ought to be walking in everything that Jesus purchased for us. So now the question is, well, how come we're not? Thank you for asking that question. So let's talk about it then. All right. It comes from knowledge. Say knowledge. Turn with me to 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. 2 Peter chapter 1. Redemption also, what happens is we have to understand from knowledge of the truth. Say the truth. So we want to get the word of God in us. So here we find ourselves looking together at 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4. And then uh, if you have that, we'll make sure everybody gets there. And then we want to hear that. But uh, verses 1 through 4, nice and loud. So everybody can hear you if you don't mind when you read. 1 Peter chapter 1. Are you there? All right. Let's read. Someone read for us 1 through 4. Let us know what translation you have, please. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. 
Common English? Whatever one you got, you just, you do it, brother. Praise God. Did you, did you hear what Henry was reading? He talked about knowledge. He talked about, you know, getting, understanding that, that life and godliness, listen, through our knowledge of him, through our knowledge of him. And I tell you the reason why so many people are now walking in, in, in their deliverance and walking in their freedom that was purchased by Jesus is because they don't have knowledge. They don't know. And part of it is because, yes, it's on them not taking the time to get into the word. But it's also on us, ministers, pastors who are not teaching the word. Come on now. I'm just going to be real. Teaching the word. All right. Someone else read that for us. Verse 1 through 4, nice and loud. Let us know what translation. Thank you, Henry. Someone else. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Oh, man, that's good. Getting a hold of the truth. Again, thank you. Appreciate that. Miss Linda, she just said, who called us by his own glory and goodness. And it says, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. So that through him, we get to participate. Isn't that good? Man, that's, that's wonderful. So number one point I want to give you tonight is redemption comes from knowledge of the truth. That means life and godliness. Knowledge of the truth. Let me give you another one. Revelation knowledge. Go to James chapter 3. James chapter 3 verses 13 through 18. It's, we'll see that here. And, and, and it's so important that we get a hold of the truth. I tell you, when you don't know what belongs to you, I truly believe that we go without. We just simply go without and we should be walking in the blessings of God. After all, they were purchased for us. They were purchased for every one of us. And so we see here, beginning in verse 13, it talks about wisdom, talks about revelation. But listen to this as I read out of the NIV. It says, are you there? Notice what it's okay. this is. A, this is James chapter 3, 13, James 3, 13 through 18. Listen to what it says out of the NIV. It says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Verse 14. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition, it says, in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it is earthly, listen, on what it says here, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy, selfish ambition, there you find disorder. Man, you find disorder in every evil practice. Verse 17, this is what I want to get to. But, everybody say but. Glory to God. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace, loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace raise, uh, listen, it says here, raise a harvest of righteousness. Understanding the revelation that we have and that we should be walking in. Let me give you the second point if you're writing this down. Satan's lordship over our lives has been broken. Oh, man, walk, I mean, walking in that. You're not, you're not afraid of the devil. We don't have to be afraid of the devil. His lordship over our lives has been what? Broken. Glory to God. That means you have authority over the devil. That means you put him under your feet. That means you put him on the run. Revelations 12, 11. Come on, let's go there. 
Revelations 12, 11. So I want to read that for as soon as we get there. This is just letting us know. This is a truth. What I'm talking about is revelation, getting a hold of God's word on the inside of us and understanding that Satan's lordship has been broken, that Jesus broke it. He said, it's finished. It's over. Satan, you are doomed. And here's what he did. He purchased us and bought us back. 12, 11, revelation. Someone read that for us, please. Do you see how the blood of the lamb is so important here? You see? Because Jesus shed, listen, the, his blood, the blood of the lamb, that therefore helped to purchase our freedom, come on, our redemption. Now, our part is what? What does it say our part is? We overcome, what does it say there? By the blood of the lamb and what? The word of our testimony. So God's part, the blood of the lamb. Our part, the, come on. Our testimony. And when they come together, this is how you overcome. This is how we overcome. You say, I know I'm an overcomer. I know I'm. Now, some people, you tell that, they think, man, who do you think you are? You know, you're so proud and, and this and that. So hold on. Oh, no, no. I'm just speaking to you about what belongs to me. I'm just speaking to you about my rights and who I am in Christ Jesus, not in myself. I know this. I understand that Jesus redeemed me. And because he redeemed me, he shed his blood. The blood of the lamb was shed for me on Calvary. And therefore, I just simply speak what belongs to me. I confess who I am in Christ. And because I understand those two, I'm an overcomer. I'm an overcomer. But notice it starts with understanding and getting knowledge of who you are in Christ. Those who I believe who are constantly living in defeat, they don't know who they are in Christ. We don't know what belongs to us. We don't know that we're already free. And we continue to trip over the same old thing over and over again because we don't fully understand how important it was for the blood of the lamb to be shed for us and to wash away not only all of our sins, but to place us in right standing with God again. You're in right standing with God right now because of what Jesus did. That's not going to change. That's not going to change. But the key is, is what's coming out of our mouths. Well, how do you control that? You watch what's coming where? In your hearts. So if I watch what's coming into my heart, meaning if I study the word and I watch what's coming in my heart through the word of God, then guess what? It's going to line up with God, with what he already said and what he already did. Can you say amen to that? Everybody say no weapon. Go to Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54, we're going to move through a little bit quicker here so I can give you the, this third part, and I'm going to let you go. Isaiah 54. Oh, man, it just ties into the fact that we overcome, that you are an overcomer. Say, I'm an overcomer. Glory to God. Well, I want to say this, that no weapon, you know, there's no weapon. I don't care what the enemy tries to bring, what people try to bring against you. You need to highlight this scripture, Isaiah 54, 17. It should be one of your favorite scriptures because the enemy is going to come. He's going to come. He's going to try to tell you, nope, that doesn't belong to you. But you go, nope, that's a lie. And then people are going to try to come to destroy you, try to speak evil words over you. You say, no, that's a lie because I know what belongs to me. Someone read this for us. Isaiah 54, 17. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. No weapon. Say no weapon. Glory to God. Henry, go ahead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I 
that's good. Now, understand, let's look at this scripture. Why is this scripture then so relevant, and why, should, why is it so true and should be true in our life? Let's get understanding here. What, how come we can walk in verse 17? Why can we walk in verse 17? Because you have been redeemed. See, we can walk in 17 because we've been redeemed. Because this, and understanding who you are, there's no weapon formed against me. I don't care what you say. Come on, I don't care what the devil says. Come on now. No weapon is formed against me. And you know what? It's not going to prosper. That doesn't mean it won't be formed against you. That means it won't prosper. It won't prosper. So you know what? Say what you want to say. You know, you can just get in line. Everybody else. It doesn't matter. Come on now. I mean, Jesus, come on. He had a whole line of them, right? Come on. I mean, even walk to the cross with them. Am I right? Even put them on the cross. Hello. It didn't make a difference, did it? No, he still redeemed us. He still redeemed us. So don't go by what people say. There's people out there that just try to speak evil words over you and tell you what doesn't belong to you. A lot of times it's because out of their ignorance. A lot of times because they, don't, they just don't know who they are in Christ. I'm talking believers. The world, come on, that's just the world. But when believers, your brothers and sisters in Christ, pray for them because they don't know. They just don't know. So we don't walk around like, hey, I know. And then all of a sudden, we got our nose down. You know, look at me. I'm redeemed. What's your problem? We don't go around doing that, do we? No. Wait a minute. Y'all didn't say nothing there. No, I'm just joking. We don't do that, do we? No. That was stronger and better. Okay. All right. Here we go. Let's look at one more. This is number three. Satan's lordship, I said, right? I mean, number two, Satan's lordship has been broken. Let's look at James 4, 7. This is another important key. I'm just teaching you tonight keys to help you walk in and live out your redemption. Walk in, live out your redemption. James chapter 4, verse 7. Isn't the word good? Oh, man, I tell you, praise God. When you understand what belongs to you, man, we can constantly walk in the truth and freedom of God's word. James chapter 4. Are you there? All right, someone read for us. Verse 7, nice and loud. Mm-hmm. Wow. There's important things saying, being said here. We're going to go back and make sure we get it. Thank you. Man, that's good. That's the Amplified. Someone else other than the Amplified. Not all at one time. Go ahead. New Living. Mm-hmm. That's okay. You gave us seven and eight. That's all right. That's the word. All right. Now, notice NIV. NIV says this. Submit yourselves. Submit yourselves. Even with all the knowledge that we, that we said, remember, we have to get. Hear me. Even with all the knowledge, say, man, okay, all right, I got it. I got it. I know. I know I'm redeemed. I know what belongs to me. James says, wow, submit yourself to God. That's the first thing. So that means you can have all of this knowledge and not submit yourself to God. Hello? You see? And then if you're not submitting yourself to God, then how are you going to be able to resist the devil? Then now we get on the enemy's territory. Because we're like this, we're not going to do what God says. Uh-oh, doesn't it sound like in Deuteronomy 28, all of a sudden we get over into disobedience? Then here comes the curses. Wow. 
So you say, wait a minute, how can I be cursed? When you don't understand what you have, when you understand who you are, and then you, all of a sudden you're not submitting to God, you open yourself up to the enemy, then all of a sudden these things, the enemy, listen, he don't have to do nothing because we're over here on his territory. What are we doing on the enemy's territory in the first place? When we think about what Jesus did on the cross and how he died for us, how they beat him, how he was unrecognizable, come on. And then here we are hanging out. I'm talking about the body of Christ hanging out in the enemy's territory. No, we need to be over here in God's camp, on God's territory, see, and putting the enemy on the run. But here's what happens if we don't submit ourselves first to God. It says resist the devil. Come on, listen, he's not going to flee from you if you're over here in his camp. He don't have to flee because you're already there. But when you get on the Lord's side and you submit yourself to God, I like this, you resist the devil, guess what? He's got to go. Because you know who you are in Christ. Say, I know who I am. And here's the last piece I'm going to give you tonight. Walk in your inheritance. Walk in it. Just walk in it. Glory to God. As king's kids, walk in your inheritance. Go over to Ephesians chapter 3. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 3. I like to say it this way. Take your place. <laughs> Take your place. I mean, just come on up to the table. Come on up to the blessings of God. Come on up to what belongs to you and walk in your inheritance. Don't let anybody tell you something that, that listen, that you know belongs to you. It doesn't belong to you. I don't care who it is. You hear what I'm saying? If it doesn't line up with the word, Ephesians 3.20, if it doesn't line up with the word, then listen, no matter what people tell you, you're not obligated to believe it. This is what we always teach you here. You stay with the word. Stay with the word. Yeah, but you know so-and-so. I mean, he's been in the ministry for over 50 years. And? Yeah, but you know so-and-so. I Man, he's on television. And? I mean, we still, you still haven't said nothing yet. Okay, now let's talk, let's talk about the word. See, all, all we said at this point is, is now we're talking about somebody's reputation. Their reputation doesn't stand up against the word of God, no matter who it is. Come on. And if they're not teaching the word, then they're in error. We have to stay with the word. And I praise God that we'll stay with the word. And if you know what, I say this, listen, if that's not right, you read something, or we say something here, or you say something, listen, you know what, if you don't have it right, then get it right. Don't make a big deal out of it. Say, so, oh, oh, no, that was wrong. Here's what I love about when we were in Bible school. And the ministers would get up and they would teach. And they would have this revelation. I love it. I'm not even going to mention no names. But I have this wonderful revelation. And all of a sudden, they're sharing this revelation. And it's so great. It's so wonderful. We're like, and we're like little birds. You know what I'm saying? Because we're being, in school, we're being taught. And we're like, yeah, this is great. It's wonderful. And some of them just went out and just started teaching it. Like, hold on, man. You better study that out. Don't care who it is. So what happened is, is one of the instructors said, I'm going to all of a sudden start getting this little itch. You know, it's the Holy Spirit. And he said, well, I'm not sure. Let me check up on this. So he goes and talks, of course, to his mentor. Goes and talks to Brother Hagen and a few other folks. And then they talk it out and say, well, what are you teaching? I said, and basically they told him, that ain't right. What you've been teaching is not right. Do you know the next class he got up and said, I was wrong? I like that. Just say, you know what? What I taught you, just whatever you wrote down, just forget about it. <laughs> and just tear them up because, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's wrong. It was error. I like that. But you know what? Those who weren't in class, 
who <laughs> missed it, they're still thinking, what? this is it, man. And while I'm teaching stuff, that's wrong. You know what that means? You need to come to school. That's all that means. Come to class. So here we are. Let's, let's finish up. Who's found Ephesians 3.20? We always read this. But this to me is tying into our inheritance. Say, my inheritance. My inheritance. Mm, and you do have an inheritance. Someone read that for us. Ephesians 3.20, please. Go ahead. Go ahead, Henry. Now, that's both 20 and 21. I'm just joking. I'm just gonna pull, I was going to pull a Cindy on you. I'm just messing with you. I'm going to stop picking on you. Verse 20, did you see that? Did you see that there? Let's go back. I'm sorry, Miss Cindy. I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. I, ooh, Lord, help me. Notice, the NIV, this is what it says. Now to him who is able. Who's able? God is able. To him who is able to do immeasurably, it says right here, more, NIV, more than all we ask or imagine according to, Notice, to the power that, that is at work within us. That means that's power in us. We need to take our place right. and, and walk in what belongs to you. Oh, let's go over to Acts. Acts chapter 20, 32. Man, we've got one more scripture, and I promise that's, that's it. Okay, can you handle two more scriptures? <laughs> I mean, this one and the next one. That's what I'm saying, right? Are you with me? Okay, Acts chapter 20. Can you handle just a little bit more? All right, all right. Praise God. Bring it on. Okay, here we go. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. Now, what we're talking about, so the first part, the three parts I, was, I wanted you to get a hold of tonight, number one, I said, was redemption comes from what? Knowledge of the truth. That's number one. Number two, I said that Satan's lordship has what? Been broken. Glory to God. Number three, what we're talking about here tonight is you, you and I need to walk in our inheritance. All right. And so Acts 20, verse 32. Someone read that for us, if you don't mind, nice and loud. Let us know what translation you have. Acts 20, verse 32. Go right ahead. Mm -hmm. Amen. All right. So notice what it says. It says here, I commit to you, this NIV, I commit you to God. And notice, to the word of his grace. Commit to God the word of his grace. Then it says this, which can build you up. Hallelujah. Notice this here, and it says here, and not only build you up, and give you an inheritance. Praise God. Understanding who God is, understanding the word in his grace is able to do what? To build you up and give you an inheritance. Glory to God. I like that. Amen. Who's got another, who's got another translation of that? Go ahead. Who's got it? Acts 20, 32. Mm -hmm. Glory to God. Man, I said, Lord, thank you for giving me everything I need. Doesn't that sound like inheritance? Yes, absolutely. Last one, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Man, I tell you. The word of God is so good. When you understand that you have been redeemed. Oh, I have been redeemed. And when you sing that song, I mean, when you hear anything about redemption, I'm praying that the word of God that we're teaching you will just resonate down on the inside of you and you get a hold of the truth and it just springs up, man. And you just know, hey, I'm redeemed. I'm an overcomer. And anytime the enemy tries to, to come by and sell you, you know, this bad news, you go, no, get out, devil. In the name of Jesus, you just walk in your authority and knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. The devil is a liar. I said the devil is a liar. And he's already been defeated. 
You see, and you have to know that Jesus, your elder brother, has already defeated him, whooped him. Glory to God. I mean, beat him down. You don't know, understand that. And beat him so bad. I mean, and he said, give me those keys of authority. Come on. And just walked right out. The devil couldn't do nothing, nor the demons. Guess what? You have that same authority in the name of Jesus. And the devil can't do anything. Come on now. When you walk in and use that name, say, use the name. Verse 12. Someone read that for us. Go right ahead. Verse 12. Yeah, one and two. That's fine with me. We got two. Okay. Go ahead. Who wants to go first? You and I have been qualified. How have we been qualified? Come on, it goes back to what? Through Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He redeemed us. He redeemed you. And because he redeemed you, you are qualified to receive the inheritance. And this is why we should be able to walk in our inheritance. We should be able to take our place. We should be able to hold our head up high and know who we are in Christ Jesus. We are overcomers. Listen, listen. Not only in the next life to come, but in this life. Right now, you and I, we're overcomers. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're overcomers right now. Thank you, Lord, for our redemption. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you.